welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Start the podcast like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be a thing. So. Sorry about that. You know what? That's just gonna be the intro. <laughs> so, welcome to episode 11 of the Dojo Talk podcast. I am your host, Serio Sensei, and I'm here with my co host, Antaku. What's going on, man? Nothing good. Uh, Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before. Before we get started, to start it off on a, a semi-good note, um, we weren't able to record yesterday, but it was International Women's Day, so uh, I will give two shout-outs, one to Marlos Kunin, who recently retired after losing to Julia Budd, and Megumi Fuji. Um, he hasn't fought recently, but giving her a shout-out just because these are two people who been holding it down on the the women's side of MMA for a long time before mm-hmm. the you know recent explosion of women's MMA they've been around the scene for a long time they don't really get talked about a whole lot so just wanted to throw a quick shout out to those two much love um i want to give a quick shout out to um Carissa Shields the first uh well, second, technically, American to ever win two gold glove, uh, gold medals at the Olympics for boxing. Mostly because when the men win, they kind of just get big money contracts and can go fight pro. And, you know, there, uh, there's not, uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for her after she won the Olympics in 2012 at, like, 17 years old. But she was, strugg- she was struggling to get sponsorships. So um, she went back. Went again in 2016, and now she's going to headline the first televised women's main event for boxing on premium television this Friday, March 10th on Showtime. So, shouts to her. Also, shouts to Ann Wolf, who I just found out is going to be in Wonder Woman. So What? Yeah. You know if she's like a villain? Or... Uh, she's, uh, she's an Amazon. Oh, oh, all right. That makes sense. <laughs> that, that definitely makes sense. That's dope. That's so, that's, yeah. a, that's a good look. So yep. you said March tenth. March tenth on Showtime. Okay. All right. So we're recording this March 9th, So it means by the time you guys are hearing this podcast, which would be March tenth, uh, then tune in to Showtime. Do you know what time that what time that comes on? Uh, card starts at ten, I think. Oh, good lord. Okay. I know. I, I won't be able to watch, but <laughs> I, I'll try to catch a replay to... Like, seriously, the, fuck you West Coast people. Right. <laughs> I'll try to catch a replay the day after. If I didn't have to work, I'll definitely watch. Because I did watch her Olympic fight. She definitely did look really good. But, um... So, yeah, shout out to uh, all of those women holding it down on the, on the combat sports end. Um, today, we will give a... Nice little run-through of UFC 209, which was last weekend. Uh, the 
rematch between Wonderboy Thompson and was it? Was it last weekend or was it? Yeah. Two? It, I, yeah, no, it was last weekend. Like, <laughs> okay, I was like, we've gone a while without recording. I, that, I don't remember. That, and I completely forgot it happened. Thanks to me in the event. Yeah. So. All right. So yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just jump into it. Um, Tyron Woodley, Wonderboy Thompson rematch. The first fight was uh pretty awesome, <laughs> to to say the least. Mm-hmm. Really close fight. Uh, ended in a draw. I was really hyped for this rematch. I've I've been on record, uh, probably not on this show, but I've been pulling for the Wonderboy era to start. I, I would love to see him as champ. Um, but this fight did um, did not help that cause <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> did, not, did not help that cause whatsoever. Um, basically, this fight was. It was like a, it was like a five round, all right, a four round, a four and a half round sparring session with very yeah. light. Yeah, sparring sessions are wet. Light sparring sessions where you can't hit to the head are way more like intense than what happened on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it was just a lot of nothing in the first four and a half, and then Woodley had a. Final flurry during like the last I don't know thirty forty five seconds. Basically, and he, he, yeah, he, he rocked. He did rock Wonder Boy really hard, and you know John, uh, Big John, rough. Pretty sure I think that was him. He roughed, and he was looking closely to, to stop it, but he let it go, and Wonder Boy survived. Um, after yeah, there's not much else to go into detail about the fight, but after after that little flurry ended. I think I scored it for Wonder Boy. I, I'm not even sure based off what because they both were really inactive. But Wonder Boy seemed to have more octagon control. He kept Woodley back against the cage. Didn't do a lot else other than that, really. And then, but Woodley ended up getting his hand raised. And even though I thought Wonder Boy won at the same time, Wonder Boy didn't do himself any favors. So I mean, if you gotta, if you gotta beat the champ, like you gotta beat the champ. You can't, can't and dance. That, it. And but. that's partly why I blame this fight being so boring. I'm <laughs> because like, I know a lot of people didn't like the um the uh, McDonald Woodley fight. I really liked it because it showed what like a good fighter McDonald really is. Or at least he was. I don't know. People didn't like that. Fight. I love that fight. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Like uh, a lot of people just call it a boring jab fest. But, but um, like the game plan to beat Woodley's, it, it, it exists. It's not a mystery. Like especially after that first fight, and you can hear Thompson talking about in the lead up to this fight where you have to keep, where he has to kick more, where he has to be more aggressive and you know get after Woodley because Woodley's going to cut. Because Willie's not going to put a lot out there in terms of like volume, and he's not going to give him opportunities to get that read on him. So he has to force him to come out of his shell so he can come, so he can counter Woodley when he comes forward. He didn't do any of that. Like he fainted a lot. He kicked like sometimes. <laughs> he, he stalked him, but like he didn't really apply it. You can't really apply any pressure to somebody who whose entire game plan relies on them like having their back against the cage. Okay. 
And that's partly why I'm kind of impressed with Woodley, because after 50 minutes of fighting Steven Thompson, he's still the champion. Like, I know a lot of people, like, like won't, like, they're, they're kind of pissed off at Woodley, because, you know, his whole attitude heading into this fight about, you know, being mispromoted and, like, oh, I go in there, I knock guys out, and then he puts on a performance like this. But, um... Like Wonder Boy does his best when like the uh, when he's fighting a shorter guy, who just like comes forward recklessly, not even recklessly, just comes forward on him. Like the typical like Wonder Boy performance is like the Hendrix fight, right? Where Hendrix just kind of uh, where the moment Hendrix came forward and he's had a meaningful offense. Or try to apply any pressure, or try to get on the inside to land, uh, to do anything. Thompson just completely shut him down and just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Got back at range and beat the crap out of him, man. Like, I just, I don't. I, I, it, 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 it amazes me that Woodley is still the champion after all this because he's not as good a striker as Hendricks. He has more power, like by leaps and bounds. Like, like the fact that. I said this at like Sunday, I think, but um, Woodley is like this weird, surreal mix of like he does so much with so little and so little with so much. Because if we were put if we were put like the UFC welterweight roster through a combine, I bet you Woodley is like top five in everything. Right. He he is just like the straight up best athlete in that division. I can't think of just power, speed, like just straight explosiveness. Yeah, his explosion time, like that that fifth round flurry, just kind of happened yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, like when Woodley turns on, he can turn on a dime, and and you kind of get why he keeps you know his build and everything like that. He keeps to the you know, but at the same time, he does he doesn't do anything with it. His whole game is, oh, if this guy gives me the takedown, I'll take the takedown. If this guy, you know, slips up and gives me the right hand, I'll take the right hand. But, like, it's not that there's no craft to what he does, but it's such a narrow scope for a guy who's physically able to do so much. I'm surprised he didn't, and I think his corners told him to, but I'm surprised he didn't go for more takedowns because it's not like he can't get them. I think he, I, I, uh, was excuse me if I'm wrong, but like didn't he only get the one takedown in the first fight? Uh, did he? Probably. But like, in this and that fight, was off of the kick, right? Yeah, and, but I in this one he he why. got he got one in this. Well, he didn't yeah. shoot for a lot in this, to be honest. I think he was really I, like I think Woodley was really terrified of just trying to come inside on. on I think or, that's what I think. I think they both were terrified of each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think Thompson had PTSD from some hits he took from that first fight. Yeah. And I think Woodley saw the Hendrix tape and it was like, no, I'm that's not gonna be me. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and that's part again. That's part of the reason why I th- I'm still uh, like I'm kind of impressed with Woodley because he's still the champ. And in theory, Thompson should be the guy who wins his fight like nine times out of ten. Right. But yeah. but in actual practice, like Thompson doesn't do didn't do the things he needed to do to win the fight decisively. Either fight really. Like and this fight isn't all that different from the first fight. Like I know uh, 
uh, like there were just long stretches that first fight where nothing happened or like these guys were just like touch kickboxing at range or something like that like between those bursts of like Woodley landing offense Woodley getting the takedown and just beating the shell him from like top position it was basically the same fight this one seemed a little harder to watch, though. Because <laughs> we were all, after that first round where Woodley took Thompson down, was just beating the crap out of him, having bloodied and everything. We were all like sitting with anticipation, waiting for like for a finish, waiting for the finish. Yeah. And then and then it just even though it wasn't like the most exciting thing in the world, seeing Thompson claw his way back into the fight by working his like range kickboxing was like, oh, okay, he's not done. That's exciting. Like, there was no danger in this one until, you know, the final 45 seconds. Which really muted a lot of the booze. Like, like as soon as the, like, like everybody's cheering as, like, there's, like, two seconds left on the clock. And everybody gets silent. And then there's, like, some <laughs> booze. But, like, it, it, if that fight had ended with just, like, the two of them staring at one another, the place would have just erupted with, like, jeers and stuff. People would have been throwing shit. Yeah, I about to say, yeah, they probably would have gotten ran out the arena. <laughs> like... Especially after, like, all of the fights that preceded this main event, for that mm-hmm. to be the way the card ended was, yeah, kind of lackluster. It's honestly not much else to say. You, um, know, what, you know what this oh, fight makes me sad about? That we never got a Hendricks-Woodley. Because that would have been a really good fight, in my eyes. Hendricks probably would have been more willing to push for it. I don't think yeah. he would have, yeah. Like, yeah, Hendricks is somebody who, you know, we talk about his discipline and, you know, his mental game, his mental strength, but that dude will, um, that dude will come forward on everybody. Yeah, and he'll bang, whether he gets hit or not. Yeah. Yeah. That would well, be a solid fight. Who, who does Woodley get next? Masvidal, Maya winner. And if not that, I am assuming he gets GSP. <laughs> And if not that, maybe Conor McGregor decides he wants to fight Woodley after that terrible, terrible fight. Conor doesn't want to do that. I'm, I'm telling people. I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling, I'm telling you. I don't think there's anybody in the UFC Conor thinks he can't beat. I mean, and that's I think, great. That's I, great. I think he is a sociopath. <laughs> in the same way, John Jones is a sociopath. But see, that... the thing with John though is like. John might have that mindset, but I believe him. Oh, I, I I won't believe him to anybody. I don't think he, I don't think he beats like if he goes to heavyweight, like he beats a guy like Kane. But with his I mean, skill set, I see it. With Connor, I I don't. That just it's it, not it, there. It, it, it comes down to it does the power transfer, and if not, can he change his game to where he can outpoint guys until he's able to put the attrition on somebody and like put them away late. Because there's no way he's going to be knocking dudes out like he did, like Eddie Alvarez and Jose right. Aldo. That, that's not happening at 170. And and, 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 and mind you, that's not a terrible way to move. Like, if that's your thing when you're at, like, white weight and featherweight, that's something you want to have at uh, welterweight. Like, like um, I made this comparison with uh, Dotson. Like, Dotson, when Dotson first got to UFC, he really wanted to be the guy who moved up from uh, who went from bantamweight to flyweight to featherweight and won titles in all three divisions. And I was like, well, he's got the style for it. And featherweight might be too much, but bantamweight and flyweight, like, 
if you're going to be an undersized guy, you want to be the undersized guy who can explode in and get the knockout. Right. But welterweight, uh, that might be a hill too high for yeah. Connor. And but Woodley could be the dude to do it against because even if you don't knock him out, he's not going to throw out back. Here's the thing, though, that I see. As, as bad as that, uh, or as, as lackluster his performance was, if Woodley does that explosion on Connor, I think Connor dies. I don't think he, <laughs> I don't think he lives through that. I don't think that power that this that Woodley has is just it's scary. It is, but and I don't. Connor can have all the confidence he wants. I mean, I applaud it. As a I, fighter. I'm not saying he wins. I'm definitely yeah. not saying he wins. I'm just I, saying I, I don't think uh, when it comes to this matchup, I don't think Connor looks at this fight and he's like, oh, I'm not gonna. Uh, oh, I can't take that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think any his confidence probably wouldn't lack against anybody. And, and you but know, I think, and you know, Woodley's praying. He says he's thinking that <laughs> that money, them checks. Yeah, you I gotta, can't, can't gotta be pay mad that. about. You can't be mad about that. You got four kids, man. You got three kids at home. You got Sage Northcutt. <laughs> yeah, you got, man. You gotta raise them right. Gotta raise them right, and I'm pretty sure WME, you know, them, them loans don't pay themselves, as I feel like we see every show. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's why when we get to GSP Bisbang, I'm going to have just a complete meltdown. All right, all right. Ooh. So, <laughs> hey, all right. No, why are we still talking about this fight? Right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go on to the next, to the next uh, fight. So, unfortunately, the co-main event. Uh, was supposed to have been Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson, which was a fight I was just super stoked for. Didn't happen, you know. Life, life happens. Weight cuts happen. Apparently, bad kidneys um, happen. Yeah, fights just kind of fall apart. But uh, the new co-main event was Lando Venata and David Tamora. Um, I mean, I, I was hyped for. For Nurmagomedov and Ferguson, but this co-main event was not a bad replacement at all. Um, this was basically a three-round video game fight. <laughs> this is like a Tekken fight, just wild strikes. Just well, I would say Tamor probably was a little, probably more like technical, like a straight-up kickboxer. Yeah, dude, dude's a straight-up Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, just straight to the core Muay Thai just tough as nails really technical really hard hitter lando on the other hand he's just kind of a wild man <laughs> it's not like there's no like, yeah yeah i mean yeah does, there's but... there's a technique to what he does but he's a lot more creative and i guess like free with his striking it, he reminds me a lot of like jones where like uh, a big part of jones early career was just Figuring out that yeah, I can do all this like Tekken shit, but there there's a process to which I can apply these things and make them more effective, right? Sharper, and he's still in the process of that, and that this fight really showed it. Yeah, I think he he started off pretty good in the first. Really, all of these rounds were competitive, but yeah, it's, I, I not, thought, it's not like he got blown out the water. It's yeah, not he, at all. He clearly lost a to a, a it, more technical tactical thinking fighter right it seemed like he he had steam going in the first and i think in the second and third 
Tamora kind of, I don't want to say he figured him out, but he just kind of got his game going more, and it seemed like he was landing more of the crisper and harder shots. But really, both of them were landing pretty hard, but I think Tamora was just kind of edging him out every round. And then, yeah, by the third, it was kind of clear who who won. But that that was an awesome, awesome fight. Really great fight. Uh, I was really big on, like, Tamora. Um, after his last fight where he just knocked out, was it, Antoine Coy uh, in the finish, dude? Like, who had, like, um, four or five times as much MMA experience? Mm. And it was Jason Novelli. And it was his first fight where he knocked out uh, Mar- uh, Martin Svensson. That's what I was thinking about. But, um, d- dude's a really good, like, striker. Like a ridiculously good striker, I think he had somewhere between sixty and seventy like kickboxing bouts before he got into MMA. Yeah, shoes. <laughs> and he, he's out, and he's out of um all stars. Same gym as Alexander Gustafson. Hmm. So you know he's getting quality training. And he, I think, if I remember, it's been a while since I watched the fight, but he, he went for a few takedowns, didn't he? Oh yeah. Also, and I feel like I think those caught Lando off guard. Yeah. He definitely wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And neither was... was Joe Rogan fucking, like, just going insane. Like, <laughs> whoa! Mind you, some more hit takedowns against Jason Novelli. So, like, it just goes to show Joe Rogan doesn't do his homework. <laughs> <laughs> he still thinks we're in the days where, like, just straight up Muay Thai fighters just show up in the UFC and have done, like, two weeks of BJJ. Nah, he's... Tamor was... Dude was on point. Yeah, he was definitely on point. My favorite was, um, he'd go for, uh, with one arm, uh, when he, the two would come in, uh, when the two would move in on one another, he'd grab mm-hmm. around, um, Venata's head, and then grab right above his lead elbow, and just hammer off, like, four or five knees. Mm-hmm. And they were all power, and they were all, like, right to the solar plex, and it was just, like... You can tell that Fanata was just not comfortable at all. Yeah, he he puts a lot of torque <laughs> on on his strikes, and his yeah. cardio didn't really seem like it was slacking or waning down as, as hard as he kept throwing. Yeah, like at, at a certain point, it just seemed pretty clear he knew he wasn't going to be able to get Fanata out of there, so he was just content like winning rounds. Right. And that's something you learn when you have 60 to 70 kickboxing slash Muay Thai fights. Like, Renata is still in that, like, mindset where he probably thinks he has to knock everybody out. They both tried. I was trying to figure out after that fight who, I mean, I know Tamor has got a while before he gets up, up in the rankings, but, like, there are so many just exciting fights I feel like I could see him in. Dude, I would love to see him fight Ross Pearson. Is yeah, Ross, most, is, yeah, if Ross Pierce is still around, like I'll say, maybe if if not Ross, even like a Dunham or a Quinta. I think I Quinta is just like a little above that pay grade, or even like a Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray or um Joe Lozon. Lozon would be fun. Yeah, Lozon would definitely be fun. Yeah, just a guy who's pure chaos and just right. 
put them in there with someone like uh, Tamar and see what happens. Yeah, just let's just watch blood. I mean, that's what we got this fight, but <laughs> he's a guy, yeah, definitely got to keep it. I, I didn't remember him much before this fight, but definitely keeping tabs on him now. And still keeping tabs on Lando because, uh, I mean... Yeah, absolutely, this is a learning experience. Yeah, learning experience, and I'm I'm pretty sure we're, we're going to see Lando climb back up the ladder. Cause... What is he? He is 24 years old. This was, what, his 11th fight overall? And he's only been fighting for, like, since, like, um... 2012, so like five years. Yeah, yeah, dude, got all the time in the world. Yeah, time's on his his side, and he's already kind of seen what it feels like to fight an elite. You yeah, know, dude, when you come in the UFC and you fight Tony Ferguson and you manage to pretty hurt him really bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, didn't yeah, get the win, but lightweight's one of those divisions where you're just gonna get knocked on your ass no matter what. Like, I'm right, just... lightweight, welterweight, featherweight. We were not the hard way tonight. Like, <laughs> these are just divisions where you're just going to get knocked on your ass. And there's nothing you can do about it but learn from it. I can't wait to get to that fight. We got we got a little bit. I can't wait to get. God. Okay. What? <laughs> next. Next fight. Dude, these prelims were just. These man, two prelims. Were those just two great. prelims were insane. But continuing down the the main card. The real uh, fight of the night. <laughs> Real performance of the, the night, right? And I, I, I by Dan Kelly, <laughs> Dan Kelly and Rashad Evans, and I'll go on record and say I, I, I made I was poking so much fun at this fight, and I, I got to give all the props in the world to Dan Kelly. And the thing is, like I thought, Rashad looked, he didn't look bad. He didn't have as much output as I would hope, but like. It didn't look like the weight cut was too hard on him. He looked really in shape. He was really fast. He was pretty mobile. But Dan Kelly is like... I was telling a friend of mine, because he wasn't watching the fight, so I was kind of describing him what was happening. I was like, Daniel Kelly is a zombie fighter. Like, it's just forward, forward, forward. Just like man, he don't got no time for backwards, man. He, right, there is no he to, time. You gotta take the grandkids to school tomorrow. <laughs> and it's like Dan Kelly moves like everything hurts, <laughs> <laughs> but he makes it work. I mean, and I was I was impressed, man. Like I have to give him credit because he's not like the most naturally <laughs> athletically gifted. Uh, physical specimen but he he was he, he was competent enough with his striking to make it a competitive fight but he just had so much volume that yeah I mean it's nuts nice. Dan Kelly reminds me a lot of like Joe Warren where they started MMA really late but they they keep getting better despite the fact they're like pushing 40 years old and, and he didn't even cause he's known for like grappling well or, uh, yeah, I mean, he came into the sport with like, yeah, he fought, he competed in the Olympics like four times for judo. But um, I think he, we uh, people point to like Caro and like Ronda for like revolutionizing um, judo and MMA, but like I think Dan Kelly's like the immediate future for like people who want to come over from judo. Like he is like. He, like he, uh, I can't think of like fighters who 
have like his level of trapping, like with the, like hand trapping, right? Like, and he he um I think it was Rogan or Cruz who mentioned that um heading into this fight he paid really close attention to the um uh, Evans fight against Lil Nog, hmm. and um he noticed in that fight where whenever. He, Evans would get his lead hand just like trapped by Lil Nog. He just shut down everything he was doing. But like, Ev- uh, I hate to say, like Evans was has never been a particularly good boxer in his career. Um, he's always been like just that. Uh, he's always been a better wrestler than he's been a boxer. Right. He has power, but it's not like. Yeah, and, yeah, and a large part of his game is using uh, his explosiveness and his speed, which he had at 205, to uh, uh, just surprise guys and you know, he land the right hand and take down and hit power double. Like he did against Rampage, in that right. one highlight from that one uh, that one highlight from that fight. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, uh, Kelly put like just a freaking trapping display, just like uh, for, he. Oh God, there was one sequence. Um. So he closes distance, and Rashad tries to escape to, I want to say his left, and Kelly's a southpaw, I think, if I'm remembering all this right. And as Ke- as Rashad goes to move, uh, Kelly traps his lead hand, uh, traps his lead hand with his right arm, and proceeds to land like a few rabbit punches to um, the left side of Rashad's head. As Rashad pushes off to go away, Kelly just pops uh pops him at distance with a left hand and that's the end of the sequence. And it, it it's not you know pretty. Yeah I was say it's not pretty to watch but it was it was effective. And it's so simple. I like, think Rashad I was too surprised that how like most of the, the majority of this fight was just on the feet and Kelly held his own. Uh, really more than held his own. Oh, that was another thing. Like he, like, when Kelly would go for like a sweeps and like hip tosses, he was literally just using them to position Evans like back against the cage. Or um, there was one point, yeah, like uh, Evans had him, Evans had him along the cage, but they're like a good three, four feet away. So what Kelly does is he goes for a hip toss, forces Evan to go down to a knee, and turns him around and pushes Evan against the cage. Like it, it's. Kelly's style is just so efficient, and he's able to turn those like little like, incidences into just offense, where he's able to land three or four punches. And probably that definitely works for someone his age, because yeah, I think he is forty, right? He is thirty nine. I mean, yeah, thirty nine. So pushing forty, and at that age, you don't want to take too much like unnecessary damage. You fight smart, not you know. Yeah, not reckless, and he, he so for what he lacks, uh, like just this, like I can't believe this is the same. Like this is the same guy who fought Patrick Walsh, like the worst fight in UFC history. Right, <laughs> that <laughs> was two years ago. <laughs> yeah, man, Kelly has he flicked the switch somewhere. He, I mean. Yeah, he he flicked the switch somewhere. Just, that was it. Just shows you he he found something he can take it use from his base that maybe wasn't you know the what he what we expect, but 
was effective. Yeah, because this is uh, all. Hopefully, this is just straight up just like judo, like the the hand fighting, the uh, just like the clinch fighting, the way he's able to toss dudes around and just get after him with his footwork, even though he's not that fast. Like that's all the stuff he took from judo, and just applied it to MMA, with like striking. And it's part of the reason why it's, you know striking is kind of ugly, but it's also why it works. Yeah, I'll say it, it definitely works. So, hey man, he he put the division on notice. <laughs> Dan Kelly's not taking prisoners. Also, uh, and like you said, like Rashad did not look physically, like I guess he didn't look physically like shit, despite this being his first fight at middleweight. So that's a good sign. Maybe yeah. Maybe he can't. Uh, maybe he can't. You know. Fight like a Jacare or or Yo Romero or you know, even Michael Bisbee for the title, but you know um, Rashad Evans versus Uriah Hall, that's a fight they can make. Anderson Silva Rashad Evans, that's a fight they can make. When Bisbee loses the title, they can probably run that rematch back. <laughs> like there are options for him. Who do we who do we give Dan Kelly? I don't <laughs> I don't feel like people probably didn't expect him to make it this far, but here here he is. Mm-hmm. Dan wow. Kelly versus I don't know Derek Brunson <laughs> and so, somehow Kelly's gonna find his way into a title shot oh my. <laughs> yeah. old man Kelly just storms up the division and finds it it just ends up you know facing your old mirror for the middleweight right. title it'd be lovely Dan, I, I'm rooting for him he's, he, he's gained a new fan I'm 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 on the Kelly bandwagon now. Yeah. Um, but um, moving on to the next fight, which we won't have to spend too much time on because it didn't last uh all that long. Uh, excuse me if I'm probably about to butcher this name. Cynthia Calvillo, Calvillo, Cavillo, 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 uh, versus Amanda Bobby Cooper. Um, I'll be honest, I'm gonna let you explain most of this fight. I watched it, but I vaguely remember the submission. I, I know it probably looked great, but I just don't remember. So uh, you you take it away. <laughs> okay, I I don't remember the parts of it that were standing. Like I I don't remember how Kavia looked on the feet, but I remember I, I think I remember her be looking looking solid. Then all of a sudden uh, she hits a trip. Uh, she I think she catches a leg or something like that and hits a trip takedown. As um, Cooper goes to get up. Cavillo catches her head into an anaconda roll, hits uh, an anaconda roll. At, at the moment she realizes she's not going to get it, she proceeds to pull, uh, she proceeds to like just throw her legs over Cooper's body to so that she now has her back and locks up a rear naked choke and gets the tap. And it was a beautiful sequence. <laughs> Yeah, there's not really much else to say about the fight. Yeah. Like, I'll say, well, I guess not about this fight, but that like division, strawweight man, there's some talent. There's a lot going on down there. Like, there are a lot of good fighters in that division. I just feel like they don't get as much hype as the 135 division. Yeah. But there's a lot going on down there. Yeah, and like, um. Calvillo beat Aspen Ladd for the like. Yeah, I was gonna say I was just looking at her record, and I'm like, that's that's a good win. Uh, like Aspen Ladd, for those who don't know, is like basically your best 
bantamweight women's bantamweight prospect not in the UFC. Right. Maybe like Juliana Velasquez is like right there with her, but Aspen Lads like what? Yeah, she's twenty two. Like, that's a very good win to have on your record as a strawweight. Right. Especially she, oh she's four and oh as a pro. Four and oh as a pro, trains out team alpha male. She I I, uh, I haven't seen any of her other fights, so I can't t- like tell if this is what we should expect for her moving forward. But it was a very good first impression. Um, Amanda Cooper Hello? Yeah, I'm still because uh, it keeps cutting in and out. My bad. Um, Amanda Cooper, like, I, I don't want to say she's she's definitely not a bad fighter. She only has five fights in her, you know her career, and she's 25. But UFC really tried to push her on tough 23. And um, you know, it might have not have been the best place to put your bet on. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we see Cynthia back. Yeah, I looked at her her record. She seems to be pretty well rounded too. We got submissions, a couple of TKOs. Out, she fights out alpha male, so like she they're going. She's going to have to be around for a minute. Plus, she's sure. Paige Van. She's Paige Van Zandt's training partner. So there we go. Well, all right. That was uh that fight that lasted all of about three minutes. Um, <laughs> this next fight, which I honestly forgot was on the card until it happened, uh, Alistair Overeem and Mark Hunt. It is it? Um, I know. Um, this fight probably would have been the co-main event had Mark Hunt not been open litigation with the UFC. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. God, yeah, Mark. it could have. It, it definitely could. Uh, yeah, I could. I could see that. I mean, I mean, it definitely would have been. Like, yeah, because if you look at star power, they they're clearly aside from the main event, the biggest names on the card, and it's not even close. Yeah. And when I saw this fight was happening, I was like, oh well, I guess this fight. I I thought this to me was the guaranteed KO, no matter who won. And um, you're right. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was right. Um, I was really. I was impressed with Overeem, man. I, I liked what I saw. His his fights do tend to scare me a lot. You never know. Yeah. For for better or worse, Overeem fights are always entertaining. But you, you just with him, like the, the talent is there. This this dude, he's easily I would say the most like technical striker probably oh. I've ever seen at heavyweight. Overeem but, might be the most talented fighter to ever fight a heavyweight but the, like he's also he the, has, he's also like the only fighter where it just feels like the fight is just constantly slipping away from him right and it's like even when he's winning you're still waiting for that slip up that he <laughs> doesn't help himself when he turns his back and just starts running yes and that he gets away uh, with it because it's heavyweight and like everybody else's foot slow yeah and so yeah, in this fight, I mean, he he basically put on a pretty good kickboxing clinic. I mean, he chewed Mark Heads, um, Mark Hunt, excuse me, Mark Hunt's leg apart. But he did have that one brief moment, I, and I remember when he was up against the cage, and he literally, for like a couple seconds, he did like the the turtle up, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, oh, Mark Hunt's about to put it on him. And yeah, and those moments they terrify me because like you don't, you can't do that against Mark Hunt. Like this, you can hit Mark Hunt a hundred times if he lands once it's and it's flush, it's over. But I think and, um, bring it back to Mark Hunt. I think I think we've seen the end of the Mark Hunt Renaissance, quote unquote. Yeah, it's just, just... Like, he looked like a forty-two-year-old man who cut weight to make two hundred sixty-five pounds. <laughs> yeah, I think Overeem was too too fast, too athletic, and those leg kicks weren't uh weren't doing him any favors. And it was actually funny the way the fight ended because I was texting a friend and we were saying like, "Man, you remember how back in the day how Overeem used to just slaughter people with knees?" Yes. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, they get into the clinch, and he's working knees, working knees, and then... It is very good to see Overeem throwing knees again. Like, yeah. Like, from the clinch. I mean, those knees... I mean, a lot of fighters do, like, those little, like, pity-pat knees from the clinch. Overeem, man, he, he gets, like, tor- they, they All of them just look painful. There is a just... reason K-1 changed the rules... So that Overeem couldn't just bully smaller heavyweights <laughs> to a corner and just neither shell them for like ten seconds at a time. And I mean, he ended up knee and hunt like right in the face. Like it was just, straight face face plant. Yeah, it was, it was I love I love Hunt. It was it's kinda hard to watch, but I was happy to see Overeem in, in really good form. Yeah. Pretty much. And his fights scare me, but I'm always excited to see who they'll match him up with next. I think I remember him, if I read correctly, I saw an article or post in where he said if if he doesn't, uh, if the UFC doesn't offer him a title shot right away, that I he... can't. Uh, you're cutting out. Oh, you can hear me? I, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I, I was saying, um, I think I saw a posting where Overeem said he, if he doesn't get a title shot right away, that he is, he would be interested in a fight. I think he said with, I can't remember if he said Ngannou or Lewis. I think it was Lewis. One of those two. Was that he, he would be, yeah, those would either one of those would be, would be awesome fights. See, that seems like, a Lewis fight would seem like a trap fight. <laughs> like, uh, the Ngannou fight, um, that could be interesting. Like Ngannou's the one guy who in the division who I think could make um who could make an Overeem pay for turning his back to run away from yeah him. yeah yeah he does not want to do that against him yeah but yeah. yeah either one of those fights would be great they would be I I do agree with you though like as terrifying as Ngannou is somehow the Lewis fight even though like if you look at skill set I'm like there's no way reason Overeem shouldn't win but it almost feels like that's an upset waiting to happen. Yeah. On the, on the other hand, like, Lewis is not impervious to getting knocked out himself. Right. Uh, he's been knocked out twice, I think, by, like, Sean Jordan and, and uh, Matt Mitrione. Mitrione, yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, we'll see. I mean, always with heavyweight with Overeem, even if he doesn't get a title shot, you know, he's probably about one or two wins away from... They pay him too much money not to be champion. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was saying I remember looking at the payouts. I think him and I think him and Hunt pulled in the most money. Probably. Yeah, I can't remember what the digits were, but they both pulled in well above six figures. Uh I think Woodley did like five. Five hundred thousand. I think Reams is like eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Which is ridiculous <laughs> because he's not a freaking like 
The only fight I think he's ever drawn is when he fought Lesnar, and those pay-per-view numbers were down. I mean, right. it was partly because the fight was on the, like a Friday night, but like they weren't great. Yeah, well, I'm trying to figure out the metric by which like overreams a draw that can. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know who he bullied for that con. He he needs somebody for that contract. Give me <laughs> his fucking like agent. Right, whoever they are, they're doing. Then no no disrespect to Reem, it's just you look at some of the performances and you look at the payout and it's like, hmm. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but hey, like, more power to you. Get 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 your money. Yeah. Get get your money while you can. I ain't hating. This business sucks. Right. <laughs> right. Get it while you can. Tony Ferguson um, is out here getting like not even half or maybe half of what his show money was. Right. He was what very you? upset. Right. WME. Fucking cut up that the man. game. Yeah. Cut that man his check. Like that's a guy who needs to be making six figures as good as all of his fights are win or lose. Yeah. But that that could be a whole nother. Uh, show, but <laughs> so was this fight? Was Tabor? Was this a main card fight? No, that was the headliner for FS1 for some reason. Okay, yeah, which didn't make sense. I, I guess we'll briefly go over this fight because, to be honest, I don't remember much of it. But uh, it Marcin, was, uh, uh, yeah, was Enrique, Mar- Enrique yeah, Tabor was uh, Enrique pushing Tabor up against the fence. Until Tybor realized he could push back, and in the third round, got on top of him and just landed ground and pound until the ref called the fight. The end. Right. <laughs> no, see, no, no need to spit anymore. No disrespect to either of them two. Lesson: If you are a big man trying to fight in this sport, you need to learn how to fight in clinch. It, it is it is probably more important than learning how to strike at range or learning how to like. Like learning how to defensively wrestle because you're probably big and strong and hard to take down anyway. Yeah. Well, shout out to Tabora. Picked up his win. Wasn't the prettiest fight. But, uh, on to a pretty fight. Or I don't say pretty. It, pretty on to an amazing fight. It, or it was pretty for one person, not so much for the other. The way. I mean, it wasn't pretty it, for either one of them by the end. Yeah, actually, yeah. I would say, yeah, if you think about it, it wasn't. But. Yeah, if you guys didn't watch the prelims, uh, go back and watch this fight. This might be one of the greatest comebacks I think I've ever seen. Uh, Darren Elkins and Mursad Bektik. Uh, Bektik, of course, came into this fight with a lot of hype. He's pretty much... so. Right, deservingly so. He's been just ripping it apart since he's been in the UFC. And this was... A nice, I think, a, a good test fight for him against a a tough vet, somebody who just doesn't really go away, a, a real grinder and Darren Elkins. And for the first two rounds, Bectic put on a, a clinic, just beautiful striking, great transitions to takedowns. I mean, really, the first two rounds were just picture perfect. Like, there's nothing else... Aside from getting a finish, there's nothing else better you could have told him to do. Like he 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 looked like an elite fighter. Like he, dude, he looked amazing. And then in the third round, I, and it's weird. And I feel bad because like Bektik was dominating this fight so much that for a brief moment I actually clicked off of my screen 
because I, I was like, there's no, there's no, what else is going to happen? He's going to keep, he's going to batter this dude either until he gets a stoppage or, you know, the bell rings and he wins a 30-25. And, oh God, out of nowhere, Dan Elkins pulls the craziest comeback, gets him against the cage. Did he catch him with a left first? I think he landed like right hands on the cage and then like hit the head kick as Elkins yeah, tried to just, stand up. And really the, I don't even know if the, oh, the head kick was a nice finish, but I think like one of those rights pretty much, yeah. I don't say sealed the deal, but he was. No, no, he was like done. Yeah. He, that second right that landed, like Bechtick was a no man's land. And then the head kick. But he, he literally had him curled up on his head. Right. Like, like he took he a fell... bad wrestling bump. Right. Like it was like he tried to do a front roll, but he didn't make it. Like he didn't complete the roll. Like he just stopped on his head. Yeah. And it was crazy after the fight. Like Darren Elkins' face is just bloodied to a pulp, and he's just screaming and crying. And it was literally that that one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen. Not even a question. Yeah. Like I, I like we shit on Elkins for being boring as fans a lot because he's boring. And he's an ugly, ugly tattoo. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. But um, he is fucking tough. Yeah. There's a reason, like, the only person to stop him uh, with punches has been Chad Mendez, who is might who is now that um freaking um Connor's gone is probably the best puncher at featherweight. Right. Maybe he's ever the strongest. Yeah, strong, definitely the strongest. Like, and this is a guy who's been there with like everybody from like Pat Curran to um, friend Jeremy Stevens. Like, he's been there with people who can hurt hurt him. Is what I'm saying. And uh, but yeah, like he's really freaking tough. And as long as he's in the fight, he's in the fight. You know what I mean? Like, he's not gonna go away. And in that second round, you could really see that the fight was, I want to say it was slipping from Bechtick, but he was starting to force things. And I think... he really wanted to, it's not even that he wanted to prove that he was a better wrestler. Like, he was outstriking Elkins at range soundly, or just on the feet in general. But he was pushing for that takedown because he's, I think it's just programmed in his mind. Oh, I'm be, I have the upper edge here. But I'm so much better on the ground, and he can't hurt me on the ground, unlike on the feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I thought that I only say it was a bad move because I mean it worked for 99.9 percent of the fight. But he definitely started getting like takedown happy. Yeah, and it's like I, I get it. You're winning the fight, but this is kind of Elkin's world. Maybe you shouldn't stay around these waters for too long. Like, clearly, like you said, on on the feet, like, Bechtick was just precise, definitely with faster, just 100% advantage on the feet. Like, this like this loss hurts, like, of all the featherweight prospects who have lost recently, like, um, Choi, yeah, crap, I can't forget, I keep forgetting the other guy. It was Choi and, um, What's that guy's name? One second. Uh, Choi and... Oh, no, it was Elkins. Never mind. Um, it was... Uh, no, back to... Never mind. Um, like, the Featherweight's in this weird space where they're trying to just, like, throw 
fights together between prospects and top ten fighters and come up with prospects, uh, come up with new faces to fight the champion, right? And right. yeah, this was one of those fights. Bechtel gets his test fight, uh, and the other one was Choi versus Swanson, and like it, it just goes to show that there, there there's something else to these guys, even if they're not, you know, if in Elkin's case, like physically, athletically, or even offensively, just like super gifted, they have that extra gear in them. Right. And I, if I you think, slip up, it, it's still it's going to be there for them. And it definitely was. <laughs> but I think we're back to. I mean, super tough loss. That that's an understatement. Like yeah, but, like getting knocked out by like Darren Elkins is not a good look. Yeah, but I think though. I mean, sometimes you got to take those bumps. You know, yeah. Learning experience. Uh, like if, if they were to <laughs> run it back, like, I expect Bechtick to beat the shit out of him again. They said this time right. I lose. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes like I, I feel like better now to take that take that loss than I don't know. At least you you learn this mistake now, so yeah. Your your next run when you you get back in there. You'll, you'll probably have things figured out more, and you'll probably your streak will go even further. Um, like Bechtel has yeah. to realize that just because he's better at something doesn't mean the other guy can't do anything. Right. <clears throat> and up to this point, like Be- Bechtel has pretty much had his run with people, like he had his way with people, I should say. Um, like the only time he's been any trouble in any fight in his entire career prior to this fight was against Chad Skelly, where he bit. Uh, he got. He 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 out a win because Chad Skelly hit an illegal knee, as he hurt him, and was able to bounce. Uh, was able to um, bounce back from that and take the decision. Hmm. But like Redman landed no offense on him. Elkins landed no offense on him. Don uh, Don got you know run through in one round. Like, like, Bechtel has to realize that it's a, you know playing's a two way street. And the other guy's not going to go away. Yeah, you gotta gotta respect the grind. Yeah, <laughs> gotta respect the grind. Uh, apparently, you'll end up on your head for it. But shout out to Elkins, man. That you, it, you're 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 in a history book in in MMA for, <laughs> for for that comeback. Yeah, like that that was wild. And speaking I of, guess, yeah. On to the the last fight on this card that we'll talk about. Uh, another <laughs> another comeback that just and I was really excited for this fight because I've been waiting for Luke Sanders to come to the UFC for a while because he was just tearing it up outside the UFC. Oh and yeah, he came over. He got his uh, his first win against uh, uh, Blanco, right? Yeah, it was Blanco. Yeah, looked really impressive. And I thought Alcantara was a really good matchup, a really, you know, a vet. Somebody, this was not a, a gimme fight in yeah. my eyes by any stretch, but I thought it was one that Luke Sanders w- would win. And for the first round, really for most of this fight, kind of like the Bechtel fight, it, it, it looked like he was going to win. He did, he pretty much did everything you could ask for. He He's really fast. He's really athletic. He was landing shots on the on the feet mm-hmm. he's pretty capable on the ground but Alcantara with that BJJ 
Um, yeah, when he, I can't. Re I wish I could remember the sequence. Well, I wish I would have watched these fights kind of before we recorded, but I can't remember how the sequence of them getting on the ground started. But I just remember. I think it was. This, I think he rocked the shit out of him or something. I can't even remember. I just know as soon, like as soon as he got the knee bar in, it was like two seconds later, like instant tap. I'm I, I'm not sure. Like, did Elkins like like could he sell this last year because he was hurt? Like, he hurt one of his knees or something, or was he just like, or was it something else? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not, not. I'm not sure if we ever got an answer to that, but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but like, this is a loss that most like guys on their way up get. Where they're kind of just like winning a fight, and then all of a sudden they're getting they get submitted. Like it happens quite a bit. Just for Sanders, it happened when he got to the UFC. Yeah. And like it's it, it, like it's not. This is way more. Um, this is a way easier bounce back than um, you know, Mursad Bektik. Bektik, yeah. And it's not like. It's not like a shameful loss, you know. It's not like Alcantara. Like like he had a momentary or... lapse in judgment, right? And you know, Alcantara, as we say, man, you respect the <laughs> respect the game, respect Al... people's skill set. Alcantara and... might be a front runner, but the dude knows what he's doing. Yeah, like he is a veteran. Yeah, in every sense of the word. Yep. And yeah, man, just another. Like I said, like and, if you guys... and I want to think. I want to think um, that freaking what's his name uh, Sanders was probably tired from just wailing away at Alcantara. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, we didn't. He... I don't think we mentioned like we like it was every bit as bad, if not worse, than the Elkins fight. <laughs> yeah, like he he uh, he probably was surprised that he didn't put him away. Like he, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he did pretty much. Like the Bechtick fight. Every, anything that he, you could have asked your fighter to do aside from get a finish, he did. Right up until, you know, you get your knee grabbed and, yeah. Yeah, just gotta be, you gotta be smart about it sometimes. Gotta be smart, gotta be, gotta be aware. <laughs> it's, it's hard out here in these MMA streets. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in a, in a moment's notice, just things can go wrong. But overall, yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I that's that was kind of like my overall thoughts for this card. Like, I mean, all right, the main event, kind of a dud, but very much a the dud. rest of yeah, it was a dud. But the rest of this, the majority, all right, there, there were a few other not so. I really just won though. I mean, there were only two they, bad fights on the card, and it, it just so happened one of them was for the title. Right. And the, so other, had, and the they, other one was a heavyweight fight, so... Right. Which somehow was the main of the prelims, which didn't make sense. But, yeah, the the rest of this card didn't... Well, I was talking about Godbeer Spitz. Like, um, Tybura, I think it was a, not an interesting fight or, like, a fun fight, but it wasn't, like, Godbeer Spitz. I, I vaguely remember... Okay, let's put it this way. Let's just stop. At least it stopped. It got stopped, Okay. <laughs> like, and and there's something to take from it like freaking um what's his name Martin Tybura is an okay prospect slash middle of the road dude who will have a place in the UFC for years to come 
So there's that. Yeah. But other than that, the yeah, God Beer Spitz was shit. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say what before the Luke Sanders fight, the rest of these fights for me are kind of a a blur. But like the two so, the two on that were on Fight Pass were solid. Like Pedro showed that he is a prospect at light heavyweight. He he put an ass whooping on uh, Paul Craig, especially. Especially in the clinch, which is apparently going to be a theme for today. Uh, you got to get it done. <laughs> like, Do- like Dominic Cruz was freaking out because Paul Craig just kept like giving up an underhook to Pedro, and Pedro would use it to just like land offense, like to the especially to, like the body and just control Craig and Cra- and just eventually led to Craig getting the shit knocked out of him. Mm. So mad I don't remember this fight because it was a TKO. Like I normally remember those kind of finishes, but ah, this fight was just a blur. But no, when, shout out. No, like there's like a hundred fights every weekend. It, it, right. It, <laughs> Some people slip through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah, they slip through the the memory the memory cracks. But yeah, I'll go shout out to to God Beer for winning his Pedro for getting his TKO. And uh, Albert Marias and Andre, I will not attempt to pronounce the gentleman's last name. Sukumtath. There we go. Sukumtath. I'm, I'm, but I'm that... making shit up. I don't know if this makes it. <laughs> <laughs> but that fight, from the vague part I remember, was a pretty good like back and forth scrap. Yep. So, so yeah, overall, man, few duds, but this card might have lacked in star power, but delivered in, in quality. I mean, at this point... Unless your card has Conor McGregor or George St. Pierre on it, aren't they all lacking star power? Uh, yeah, in the in the WME world, uh... <laughs> in, in, the, in the MMA world, post Ronda yeah. and post Brock and post Anderson Silva being the the best fighter in the world. Yeah, we've post merit based title shots. <laughs> yeah, we're in this. Yeah, MMA is in this weird. Transition of like just... where we still have great cards with great like Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby. I've been knocking it the fuck out the park. Like slow clap for those guys because they're doing their job. They're putting together quality undercards. And even and hell most of the most of the time, even the main events, even if they're not great, like Manua Anderson, that's a fight that needs to happen. It's important, right? Especially for that division that is always in need of a new. <laughs> a new face, a new contender, and, just and like yeah, like yeah, Swanson Lobov is a shit fight in a shit main event, and it sucks that Swanson is a getting a fight that won't get him any closer to a title shot, or b won't put um a freaking prospect in the ring with Swanson to see if like they can be a top five featherweight, right? But like the rest of that card's really good, like. Uh, Dustin Ortiz versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, Jessica Payne. Uh, no, this. Uh, Sanchez is a fun fight. Uh, Dotson Wineland's a fun fight. Oh, Joe Joel's on Stevie Ray. Yeah, look, there's fun fights. Like, we're getting good competitive undercard fights, and that's really great to see. And I'm very happy about that. Yeah, a lot of the. I think we said this the last show. The, the young. The young talent, they're, they're they're getting put out there. Yeah. They're getting the chance to to shine and show what they can do. Yep. Um, but 
<laughs> and we can finally talk about it. Yep. George Rush St. Pierre comes back after what going on four years? Yeah, that is Johnny Hendricks in two thousand and third that was two thousand thirteen, I think. Yep, November. So we're going on four years and GSP comes back. And not only is the title shot, which you know we kind of expected, he'd come back and get a, like what a welterweight title shot, or he'd yep. come back and get a money fight. But no, he comes back to fight Michael Bisbing for the middleweight title. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do I even fuck this? So <laughs> that's, how, that's how you start. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with the matchup. Like, I actually find it a very intriguing matchup for a five-round fight. But that's your Royal, that's your Royal Romero's title. That Michael yeah. Bisping is walking around with pretending it's his. <laughs> and, like, see, I, I should be really excited about this fight. Like, I should be foaming at the mouth because GSP is my all-time favorite. And I think I'm, like, the only person in the world who's a fan of Bisping. So, you, and, like, I, you, I, and, you enjoy Knox. Yeah. Shout out to the sports sound, uh, sound off. <laughs> I, I like Bisming, man. I, I I know he's, you know, he, he gets his flack. And I, I I understand it. But I I've always been a been a fan. But like when I when this fight got announced, I I, I was at work and I looked down at my phone and I'm browsing Sure Dog and I'm like, Oh, GSP Bisming And I was just like, Oh and I just kinda kept moving. Like I didn't even really stop the the to think about man. it. I just I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's definitely for five rounds. This is going to be an interesting fight. Of course, GSP coming back. That's always a big deal. I want to see if you know. Just a lot of questions. Just after this long of a layoff, how is he going to look after being? Gone for this long is the size advantage? Is that going to be a problem? Hey, this is such a is... waste of a fight for GSP and not, maybe not for Bisbing because Bisbing is to cash out, and maybe not for GSP because maybe he gets to come back and be the middleweight champion of the world. But for like, if you're the like WME and you want to pay back your loans, or if you're like an MMA fan. And you want to see Joel Romero knock the shit out of Michael Bisbing? There's nothing for you here. Like, you don't think this will do numbers? It, it'll do numbers, but think about it like this. Does GSP versus anybody else do the same exact numbers? Because Michael Bisbing, as of, like as, to this point, has not shown that he is a pay-per-view draw. He, he can draw on, like, Fox and FS1 and like he his fight with Anderson Silva is apparently like the biggest fight pass card of all time which isn't really saying much but still but like do, do you think uh, GSP's comeback fight would have done less than 600,000? Nah. Like, you could throw him in there with freaking um any dude in the middle of the welterweight division you could have thrown him in there with Anderson Silva and gotten a way bigger rating a big a buy rate. Could throw him in there with Nick Diaz, a guy way bigger buy rate. See, and that was like my next point about this fight. I haven't even been thinking about the fight itself. I'm thinking about the aftermath of depending on who wins. Like what if if GSP wins, 
do they bypass Romero again and just say, you know what, we're just going to do GSP Anderson while we can? Oh, make you, it. Better, you better fucking believe they're going to do that. <laughs> right, like, that's if GSP wants to defend, because, like, I could seriously see GSP just being like, I don't want to fucking fight Anderson Silva. I don't want to fight your Romero. Yeah, I was going to say, and that, as a GSP fan, like, for if you're going to come back and fight at middleweight, Bisbing is like the only guy I look at and I'm like, okay, this is a winnable fight. Dude, like, like, and GSP's not like, 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 we, MMA has this reputation where, you know, everybody has to be BJ Penn and has to, you know, get fat and move up 20 weight classes and has to fight the biggest guy possible. <laughs> and like, I, like, no. And I understand, um, like, I understand that everybody wants their fighters to be brave and everything, but MMA also has a history of the best fighters in it being the best politickers in it. Fedor, Krokop, Vitor Belfort, like, these are dudes who politic their way through fights and to big money and all that good shit. And GSP is one of them. There's a reason this man can completely change his style when he lost to Matt Serra. Right, like he 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 understands that to make the big money, you have to have a you have to have like the the like the um, the gold, or you have to um you have to choose what you're doing wisely. I think GSP did not come back to fight Robbie Lawler and um, Tyrone Woodley because he saw those fights as harder. He saw those fights and was like, I don't want to come back and get a concussion. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, is, which is a real thing because he said like yeah. he's had problems with his memory before, like where he's gone to the gym and just like not remember gone, having gone because the spark, like he got hit and like he just forgot the day. Yeah. I remember saying that with Rogan that times that he goes out and he doesn't even remember how he got home. Yeah. Like he just wakes up and he's home. That, that was actually something on Paul White. Uh, Paul Wright. Yeah. The big show. When he was trained to be a pro boxer, he said, like, that was the thing that stopped him from being, like, I got knocked out, I drove home, I was sitting in my car wondering how I got there. Like, this is a real thing. Like, and I understand that, so I understand this fight from GSP's perspective. Of course, I understand this fight from um, Michael Bisbee's perspective because it's going to be the biggest payday of his career. Yep. If you're WME and you're, like, the UFC and you're Dana White, you're like, is this just to appease the two of them? Or, more specifically, George St. Pierre? Because this is the same guy. A year ago, Dana White was like, he doesn't have that fucking fire. Like, he doesn't want this. I I honestly think... I think they think it's going to bring money. I don't know why. Whether they're, that's, they're right or not, that's, I guess, yet to be determined. But, yeah, I, I think... I think they saw this fight and said... I think they just saw dollar signs. They said, GSP's coming back. That's going to do money. That's going to bring numbers whatever just make it happen because Bisbing and Romero is as much sense in how much that fight should be happening it's not going to do the same numbers it's not going to be the biggest draw even though it makes the most sense in the world but I guess that's the the MMA landscape that <laughs> that we live in now and, just... and I wonder how that what ramification stem from it because one day George St. Pierre is just not going to come back yeah, and, or, and then or one day, was, and one day Conor McGregor is going to realize that he doesn't need the UFC to make a shit ton of money. 
Yeah, and, and then it's like... And then what do you I'm have? Ex- I'm excited of- to see GS... Go ahead. Yeah, like, and then when that when that happens, you're going to have a roster full of pissed off fighters who are wondering why they never got over, and wondering why they're underpaid, and wondering why you know WME isn't returning their calls. <laughs> We're gonna have an uprising. <laughs> you may have an exodus, like. <laughs> hey man, We're Bellator maybe they'll be uh. Strike Force 2.0. Everybody goes to fight in Japan where they don't do drug tests. <laughs> you don't have to report to Yasada where you are when you're not at your house because you decided to go take a trip to Vegas. Man. And, yeah, and I don't... I think... I mean, you got to let it play out, but I just think the this matchup shows that they're only thinking of, like, the right now. Because, honestly, I don't see... Even if GSP wins... I don't see his comeback. I don't think he's going to stay around that much longer. No. Like, I mean, there's a very good it, chance he wins his fight or he just takes his fight and like leaves. And leave. I mean, yeah, I mean, if if I'm considered or I'm in the discussion of I'm one of the not even just the greatest welterweight. I'm one of the greatest fighters period of all time. I take a 3-year leave, I come back and go above a weight class and win a belt. I'm leaving. Exactly. <laughs> Cuz I feel like at that point I'm the GOAT. It's not a discussion anymore. It's not a discussion. I came back. I beat somebody in a heavyweight class. Give me my accolades. I'm taking my belt. I'm going home. Exactly. And now your division, you know, now you have another vacated belt. But- oh, I guess at that point you would have to give Romero a title shot, even if it's not against Bisming. Maybe him and Jacare do a rematch or however else middleweight will unfold between now and then. But- and then you just shove luck. Yeah, and then you're you're back at square one. Now you have no, I can't say you have no superstar. You have superstar talents, but you know you see, they don't this really market. just stems back from the fact that the Fertitas just scammed the shit out of fucking Ari Gold or whatever his real name is, Ari Emanuel and fucking Robert Kraft. Like, I I know things in the like in our country. You you are pay, you are worth what you can get paid. Right. But whoever was dumb enough to think that the UFC was worth $4.2 billion, hey, I'm sorry, you deserve it. <laughs> like, like, Not to go on a quick tangent, because I want to wrap it up soon, but one more fight I want to talk about, but real quick. Do you, it's not his fault, and I don't blame him for it. Uh, as I'll say with any fighter, whether I'm a fan or not, get your money while you can, because... And the fight game, nothing's ever promised. You never know. Injuries happen. Just life happens. But, like, I almost feel like the Conor and Ronda, like, fiasco, like, that was the beginning of kind of where we're leading to. Yeah, like, that's part of it, but there's, like, another layer to it where the UFC has spent the last two, three years building these two up getting them on, you know, TV and everything like that. Right. And they tried it with other fighters, like, you know, they tried it with Sage Dorka, they tried it with, um, they're trying, I think they're trying it with Michelle Watterson. But, they don't have, like, the only fighter who they could put in a, um, maybe two. They have two, maybe two fighters who they can put in a main event and expect that card to draw, like, 350, and pay, like, 350k and, like, buy rate. 
and that's John Jones, and maybe when he had the belt, Chris Weidman. Yep. Back when um, you know Brock Lesnar and GSP and all those other dudes was just like running shit. Like they had guys like BJ Penn, they had guys like Rich Franklin, they had guys like Forrest Griffin who they could throw in a pay per view and maybe it doesn't do a million, but it does like five hundred thousand. They don't have that anymore. It's they sell out on these big time events, or they don't make their money. Or I mean, they, it's not that they don't make their money. It's just they don't ma- they don't make enough. Uh, they don't make enough to pay back their loans. I think it's in part too though, like. Like you mentioned back then, they had like BJ and dudes like Forrest and Franklin. But like, I felt like back then, they didn't put all of their eggs in just one basket. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, everybody got shine. Everybody was being promoted. You knew people in every division. So like, you knew even like Rich Franklin. He's not like the super most like well known dude. But like, if he's a main event, you could get people to draw in because they they promoted him enough to where you would at least care about who he's fighting. Yeah. And it's like now, it's not like there's a lack of talent. It's the talent that's there just doesn't get promoted. Case in point, the Ronda Nunes fight where every promotion for the fight that you saw, Nunes was the champ, but she was she would be in like two seconds of every promo. Like they, like they treated her like she didn't exist. Dude, like, Fucking Dana White going up at that presser and saying, I could have put a hundred million dollars into advertising. He said more, like fucking half a billion dollars into advertising fucking Amanda Nunes, and nobody would know who she is. Motherfucker, you just had her in the pay per view of a fucking (laughs) car that did a million buys. Yeah, that's like, like. I, it just becomes so much clearer that so much of what went right with like the UFC wasn't in, wasn't because of the you know machinations of fucking Dana White. The more he opens his mouth, yeah, just because like you know kissing cousins here, pro wrestling, that's a kiss of death. Saying some shit like that, like. I could advertise blah 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 for four hundred uh, for four hundred million dollars, and nobody would know who she is. Like, you would like if you caught Vince, you would never catch Vince Man away from like a WWE ring, where like you could play that off as a gimmick to make the other person the underdog. You would never say you would never catch him saying, um, "Oh, I could put fucking uh, I don't know Batista." Like I could put a hundred million dollars <laughs> behind Batista, and nobody would know who he is. Like the point is to make these people seem larger than life, right? And you're not doing Which, that. Yeah, and you know, it's not even you're not doing like you're not even trying to do it. Like yeah, yeah, it's <sighs> that's that's. Yeah, and, that's I, th- like, I also think a lot of it is just like the UFC doesn't understand how to market their fighters outside of their like core demographic. Like, yeah, Ronda was a, like Ronda was a straight up godsend because she could go and get your you know your soccer moms and your weird pervy uncles and dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's that's like a whole another pot. Oh boy. I guess real quick, uh, one more fight uh, that got announced that I want to touch on real quick before we close out. Um, 
found this out today earlier, and I, I can't wait to see this fight. Yair Rodriguez versus Frankie Edgar. Um, huge step up in competition for Yair. The, you know, going from BJ to Frankie is a, uh, <laughs> or th this age is uh, BJ to Frankie. It's, that's a tall order. Yep. But yeah, this interesting fight to say the least. But I, I. Uh, Good, great measuring stick to see how far Yair can go. I mean, if he can somehow pull this off, that's insane. He, he becomes this, an know... instant star. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, well, maybe not you know star star, but you know he is a he's a face. Yeah, he's the next Max Holloway, where they can put him on like a main event in like Canada. He will be cheered out of his mind. Right, and I mean. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget, man. Lot Frankie doesn't lose a lot, man. Nah. <laughs> he does not. Frankie, he does not lose a lot, man. Frankie has been in there with the best of the best of the best. And his his only losses are to the, the, the... Oh, you hear Hello? me? Yo. Yo. All right. Oh, you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, Frankie's only losses, he only loses to the most elite of the elite. Yeah. So if if Yair can somehow pull this off with, I mean the matchup is interesting because Yair he's really well rounded, but Frankie's just got insane boxing, crazy transitions to takedowns. Yeah. Just yeah, I don't I don't know how this match is gonna go, but I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um. <clears throat> sorry, uh, Rodriguez. Um, I, I think Sean Shelby just saw, like, Jeremy Stevens rock the shit out of Frankie Edgar with, like, a head kick at that fight in New York. And was like, now's the time, Yair. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like I said earlier, like, they're in the process of trying to make a new face for 145 because they just spent so much time investing in that belt. You know what I mean? With Connor. Right. They're like, oh, let's try to, you know, ride that wave. And... We had an Irish champ last time. Let's see if we can, you know, uh, get make headway in this Mexican market. And, um, yeah, like, this is a really interesting fight. Like, uh, Edgar is what now? He is 35? He's 35. Um, he's coming off a really tough... He won, he won it decisively, but it was a very tough fight against you know, Jeremy Stevens. Um, he's still going to be the undersized guy, which, uh, which against like a, who's facing a long rangy kicker who will spam kicks for 15 minutes yep. and not gas. And, um, it, it's a fight I expect him to win, but I can also see him just running into like a knee. Right. Like just one of those freak shots that you just don't see coming yeah. and he just completely gets blindsided. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this is a huge opportunity for Yair. And it, it's a fight where he loses. It's to an all-time great fighter. And it's, you know, three years from now, it's not a big deal because he's a better fighter for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, any loss, losing to Frankie, even at his age. Because, I mean, truthfully speaking, aside from Aldo, I still feel like Frankie probably beats almost anybody. Yeah, basically. Maybe 
him and Max Holloway would be a fun fight. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he. I, I think he's still elite. I, I he's still he, elite. Um, I think it'd be a tough fight, but I think I'd give uh, Edgar the edge in that fight too. Yeah. But yeah, that. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, that that's an awesome, awesome fight. So awesome fight and awesome cards. Yeah, I was gonna say because uh, they just I they guess... just added the Poirier um, Alvarez fight to that card. They just added the Cejudo uh, Sergio Pettis fight to that card. Um, they just add David Motherfucking Branch versus uh, <laughs> Christoph Jocko. Jocko. So that, yeah, man. That card, in that card, you know the one of the best fights is probably gonna happen this year. Yoan and Jacek, Jessica Andrade. Andrade, yeah, like. And I was gonna say, I guess to to wrap it up, that was that was pretty much gonna be my parting shot is this UFC 211 card, man. I, I, it's not even complete yet, and this card is already just banger. Just yeah, this is this screams just entertainment all the way through. It's not even like 210 and, is a bad card either. I guess some right. fun fights on it's fun. Yeah, there's a bunch of fun fights on it actually, but um, yeah, that 211 card is just yeah. Car of the year material. Yeah, you gotta. I I don't shelve out money often for pay per views, <laughs> but I I might chip in, go to a fight party, and I'm I'm I'll, I'll gladly chip in, um, chip in money for this. So that card happens on May the thirteenth. So we got a couple months. I'm praying to the MMA gods that nobody gets injured. I mean, I already lost the fight. Well, they... The Ver- Verdum fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why his opponent is still uh, up in the air. Yeah, he's the one guy on this card who doesn't have an opponent yet. Shall but... see you saw the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Good old... Uh... Ben Rothwell. Yeah, Ben Rothwell. Did they say... I, I didn't really read into it, that like, what he potentially got popped for. Or... I don't think they ever give it out. Like, I think the fighter has to give it out. No, okay. Yeah, so yeah, that was also I'm not gonna say breaking news, but funny. Did that was, was that today? That was like I a couple remember. days ago. Okay, yeah, but yeah, for those who don't know, Rothwell got uh, popped for a potential, uh, you know, the the normal. But uh, so he's he's on standby, and that fight is off until further notice. Um, yeah, so. I always feel like at the end I'm always uh, like there's always another shout out I feel like I can give that I'm uh, missing. Uh, I got one since we were talking about Women's Day or uh, yesterday earlier. Um, Angela Lee will be defending oh, her. Right. She will defend her one uh, FC Adam slash strawweight slash I don't know how they qualify their weight class anymore. <laughs> uh, she will be defending her. Oh, they said Adam weight world championship against Jenny Huang in Thailand for one championship Warrior Kingdom. And when is that? That fight is Saturday, March 11th at 7 p.m. in in Bangkok. I have no idea what time that is here, but I'm assuming Um, it's sometime in the morning. Yeah, probably really early in the morning. But yeah, yeah, definitely give... um, And the only... Oh, God. Of course. Um, Crap, what's her name? What is her name? Uh, jiu-jitsu fighter. Mackenzie Dern? Yes. She fights tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, March 10th for LFA 6. She already came in overweight. 
No. She is probably a flyweight. Either that or she is lazy and just doesn't want to diet. I don't know. And that's my pizza. <laughs> Alright, I'll uh I'll hold it down while you go get your food. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say yeah to the listeners, um I don't I don't get a chance to catch one F C that often because their cards normally come on early in the morning while I'm at work. But yeah, Angela Lee and her brother Christian Lee. They're like they've they've got some good fighters over there and normally when I do get a chance to catch the cards they're they're, they're really, really entertaining. entertaining. So, so Give her, Give her a look, a look man. And she's, and she's only, only like 19, 19 or 20. And she's a beast, man. Not not the greatest striker in the world. I think that's the one part of her game that she might can tighten up a little bit. But the ground game is... The ground game is there, man. And her last fight, which I need to look up because you guys need to... If you don't know who Angela Lee is, her last fight with Mei Yamaguchi, which was May 6th of last year, that was one of the crazy, that that was a one of the fights of the year. Definitely one of the fights of the year. So if you don't know who Angela Lee is, um, give her a look. Give one championship a look, man. Go watch They're her all... fight with Vivi Mei Yamaguchi. Or Yama... Yamaguchi, Yamaguchi. Good job. Oh, Yamaguchi. Yeah, that was the yeah, that was the fight I was just mentioning. Yeah, watch, watch that fight, man. Wild, crazy, entertaining, just grappling. Great fight, <laughs> just a great fight. Absolutely. Um, I guess I don't. Oh, um, I guess my last pardon shot. Um, shout out to my my homie Scott Noble. Uh, he unfortunately lost online fights to Chip. What's that guy? Chip Pollard. I don't have the card pulled up in front of me. Um, he did lose a decision, but still, shout-outs to him. Somebody who I've, like I said, I know personally, so I've been kind of following his fight journey as I've, I've known him. Um, shout-out to him for just making it to line fights. Who, Absolutely. And that card, I'm kind of mad. I, I had to go to work, so I couldn't watch the whole card, but I watched the first three fights, and, man, that card was insane. Like, there were some really, really good fights on that card. And I I wish, uh, I want to I give her a shout-out also in honor of Women's Day. Um, there was a fight on that card. I don't have it was pulled it, up in um, front of me. And uh, Chetanko's uh, sister? Was that her sister? Was that the fight where they called it because of the blood? There was a fight on that card between two women where... One of the ladies, her her face looked like she got hit with like a two by four repeatedly, but it was crazy because she got cut. But she and to me was clearly winning the fight. I mean, aside from that cut, she was pretty much handling business. But and the blood, the way like it trickled on her face, it went like down her forehead and it spread to like the outside of her eyes into like her cheek. But she could still see what was going on. Oh, but I get it was Jerry Sitz and Andra Aho. Sitz. Yeah, that fight. I, I'm very angry. Oh wait, uh, Jerry Sitz lost. Yes. Hold up. Who, who's? What's the story behind the behind? So Jerry Sitz was the woman you were talking about who got opened up by the nasty elbow. 
Yeah. So once upon a time, my uh, my aunt, who is uh, my aunt by being married to my uncle, um, she fought for Chuck Norris's World Combat League. Oh man. For um, New Jersey, the New Jersey Tigers, alongside mm. Lyman Good, Muna Holland, Uriah Hall, all those guys, and um, she fought Jerry Sitz, and Jerry Sitz knocked her out. Oh, yeah. okay. So, you know. So you got some. <laughs> you got some animosity. But yeah, I get it. Animosity. I get it. The rest of this card, I'm just looking real quick. Shout out to uh, Fairtex. He got see he picked up a win, and my man Joe Nottawat. Oh, guess he won by KO. Yeah, that dude, man, Nottawat's a problem. That that guy's watch line fights. That's the moral of absolutely. The they all every <laughs> line fight card is really fun. Yeah, and like we say this every show. For people who watch MMA and complain about the ground game and blah, 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 you don't want to see two people hump, quote, unquote, watch kickboxing, watch Muay Thai, watch line fights, watch, watch glory. Right, watch boxing. I have having a fantastic <laughs> fucking year, by the way. So, y'all should probably be watching that. Yeah, like, there are other combat sports out oh, there. And you might not... Say again? Just the Katie Taylor, a 2012 Olympian from Ireland... Who is quickly rising up the ranks and just beating the shit out of women in the pro rank? <laughs> she just had her third pro fight and knocked the girl out in like the fifth round. Mm. Yeah, man, combat sports. I mean, even outside of MMA, like there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good fights going on. A lot of, a lot of good stuff happening, man. There's fun. At times, it's too much to keep up with, but that's what makes it fun. It's Right, that's exactly what what makes it fun and worth my worth watching. So, um, did we even talk about Daniel Garcia, Keith Thurman? I, I didn't. Oh God! You know what? I'm almost glad we didn't because I didn't watch that fight. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I had coworkers. I have a coworker who's a pretty big boxing fan. He, yeah, he reminded me that fight happened, and I I uh, I knew it was on, but I, I can't remember if I was watching something else or. Was yeah, that fight kind of slipped by me. Same time as UFC 209, so. Okay, yeah. Like, I ain't watching until afterwards either. Alright, I'll have to catch that. But uh, Thurman won, though, right? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, that'll Thurman be a part of my... officially the best welterweight not named Manny Pacquiao. Hmm. Alright, I'll have to go back and watch that. That'll be my my combat sports homework uh, for the week. Uh, but, yeah, I guess uh, that's pretty much it i think we pretty much ran through a lot uh next card is this weekend uh i'm i'm not looking forward to watching this but i have to uh vitor belford and calvin gastelum that's going down march 11th so sometime you in the middle of Shogun, next... you get the rush Shogun fight too <laughs> you know what's funny real quick yeah before we before we close out, I can't remember if I was talking to this with you or somebody else, but we were talking about the light heavyweight rankings. Shogun and I looked at the rank. Shogun is a he's top five. Defender. Right. He's top five officially right now because yes, they have, Ryan Bader's for some guy. reason, they have Bader. They have Bader still on there, but Bader's gone. So <laughs> if Shogun wins this fight, he has every right to say, I deserve winner <laughs> of DC Rumble. Right. <laughs> In 2017, Shogun's still in the mix. Hey. Hey. 
Five is crazy. We said the same shit five years ago when he fought Brandon Vera. Man. We were upset then. <laughs> Legends never die. And also on this card, the rematch between Cowboy and Tim Means and a good fight with Barboza and uh, Darius. That should be a pretty pretty fun fight. So, I mean, there, there are some interesting fights on this card. Hey, Ray Borg and... Uh, uh, Lee. A fight between jiu-jitsu fucking champions and, like, Davey Ramos and uh, Sergio Moraes. Like, th- that's fun. There's fun to be yeah, had. That's fun on this card. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Not Joe Rogan. Joe, uh, Sean Selby... Mick Maynard, you're doing a good job. Right. Let them keep it up. Force them to let you make the main events. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I say aside. The rest of this card is solid. I, don't, I still don't know how I feel about this main event, but I guess it Dude, is. Did you see the workout? You nah, workout? Nah. Like they they're in Fortaleza, and apparently, like it, it's bigger than the um, Rousey card there. What? Like the media workout. Because um, Vitor's just a fucking huge star. Did it, well, you know the story of how Vitor became a huge star in Brazil, right? Yeah, no, I'll run the front that back. It's not because of fighting. His okay, so his uh, so his current wife is a Playboy was a Playboy playmate. I'm not sure if she still is. I was just about to say I was I was gonna say porn star. I was just guessing. <laughs> uh, close enough. Um, so she's a former Playboy Playmate for Brazil, and, um, they were on the show together, like a Big Brother Brazil show, basically, and there's a scene, there was a scene, uh, an episode where, like, they're in a tub together, and Vitor just starts licking her feet, <laughs> and that is why... Vitor is famous in Brazil. And by extension, Anderson Silva is famous in Brazil. So, there's your story. Yeah. Well, uh... MMA is a weird fucking place. Right. <laughs> See, I, don't even, I don't even know how to follow that up. But, yeah. This is MMA in 2017. Belfort's still around, and Shogun Hua is a top five uh, light heavyweight of the world, but uh, I guess that's uh, that's about it for tonight. As always, anytime people are being kicked and punched in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, real quick, I did, as I mentioned last podcast, I think I did update the SoundCloud page, so this will also be on SoundCloud if you prefer that listening format. Um, yeah, but thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Dojo Talk Podcast, and I will catch you guys, or we will catch you guys later. Peace.